about to listen to the words and teachings of Pastor Shola Oshimakide of the household of David. Be blessed. Praise the Lord. Amen. Romans chapter 9. Let's read verse 16. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I see the mercy of God is available this morning. That's the word that has been ringing in our spirit even when we're praying in the morning. Oh, okay. Romans 9, 16. Oh, let's start from verse 14. Paul started his argument. Romans 9, 14. What shall we then, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? And they say, God forbid. Verse 15. For he said to Moses, And we have mercy on whom are we have mercy? And are we have compassion on whom are we have compassion? Everybody, need, you need to understand that there are dimensions in God. Is that understood? Praise the Lord. There are dimensions in God. And there's something we want to look at briefly this morning. And then we can do second service. I remember most especially because I think when we were in school, I remember a guy that wrote, There is the law of confession. So we wrote this particular exam. And this guy came out of the exam and he said, You know what? A believer, a strong man of faith. And he said, You know what? I blew it. I, 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 I know that. He said, I, didn't, I couldn't write anything. I know I failed the exam. But then when the result came out, he passed. There is the law of faith that says that you affirm with your mouth what you believe in your heart and then the result is seen clearly before you. But there are times that God bypasses people's faith. Are you with me? And there is a story we want to look at this morning. So we have to understand first of all that God is sovereign. And there are principles, there are laws that is given to men to operate by. But in response to those laws, for the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God, but God is not limited to those laws. Are you following me? I told them that it was in Prophet S.K. Abiyadah's crusade, that a woman's child was about dying, and they brought her to crusade, he carried the baby in his hand, and he asked the mother, do you believe this baby will live and be healed? And the mother said, no, I don't believe. But he said, whether you believe or not, God will do this. And the baby was healed. God bypassed our faith. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. Everybody say mercy. mercy. Say it again. Mercy. So he said, are we have mercy on whom are we? Paul was trying to establish the fact that God has every right to choose who to have mercy on and who not to have mercy on. Is that clear? Then he said that as a result of this decision that, is, that shows God's sovereignty, he said in verse 16, he said because of that decision, then the matter has become, it is not of him that run it. Mm. Have you read the race is not to the sweet before? He said it is not of him that, run it, that will it or him that run it, but of God that does what? <laughs> Lord, that mercy is one of the most powerful prayers a person can pray. And I've told you before, learn to ask God every day to show you mercy. At times, to be at the right place, to be in the right place at the right time, is a function of the mercy of God, not your ability to maneuver things. 
Hallelujah. And along the line, for a quantum leap to take place, for a total change in a man's paradise, something has to happen and it has to be the intervention of the mercy of God. Mercy is beyond forgiveness. Hallelujah. It's not like a teaching this morning. I am saying what he asked me to say. And the reason why we are doing that is that so many people will have an encounter with the mercy of God. It will make you cry because it will go beyond your efforts. Hallelujah. So the Bible says, it is not of him that wills or wrongs. It's of God that shows mercy. Let's look at this story to illustrate this. I will get to something. I just found out that everybody that actually cried for mercy in the Bible, God responded to them. As Jesus was walking, blind Bartimaeus started shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now the Bible said that God gives grace to the humble. A simple cry for mercy. It makes God to look beyond your efforts and he puts in his own ability on your weakness and then the answer is produced. Are you understanding me? This is not to negate the law of faith. I'm just saying that there are times that your faith will fail. Mm. Amen. Just about the time that Peter was denying Jesus the third time, all that worked for Peter was just mercy. You know, he actually went back to the fishing business where God took him from. And then Jesus appeared. The difference, if we get to the, uh, if we get deep down into this, we are going to consider a lot of things. You will disorder that word mercy is very common in the book of Psalm and it was common from the mouth of David. Why? Because that separated David from Saul. They both messed up. One went down. One was sustained. Judas betrayed Jesus. He died. Peter denied him three times, but Peter was forgiven and restored back as the head of the church. Everybody say mercy. All of us are here this morning because of his mercy. Are you with me? So we, we are going to read this. So it's not of him that run it out that way. Let's read Mark chapter 9. Hallelujah. It's a short exhortation. Some have been stretching their hand here to get certain things. You've learned about confession. You've confessed and you've said ah, it is that this morning there is a drop of mercy on you. And it will come to pass. Hallelujah. You know, now, several people will conceive by mercy. Several people will experience expansion by mercy. It is not every miracle you can trace to what you have done. There are some we can say that, okay, as I meditated on the scripture, I said something, it is right. But there are times that you can't trace some to some things. It is just God deciding to do something. Praise the Lord. So that's the case of this boy that had epilepsy. I think we should start from verse 20. Let's start from 20. And they brought to him. And they brought him to him. You know, Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And when he came there, he saw that disciples had been trying to cast out a spirit from a boy who had epilepsy and then the spirit wouldn't come out. And then Jesus said, let the boy come. So the boy came to Jesus. They brought him and when he saw him, straight away, the spirit tell him, we must never be intimidated by the enemy. When there is going to be a solution, the devil gets to another level. Sometimes when you pray about something, it appears, then it turns more terrible. Rejoice. Amen. Amen. Now, the, at that moment, now the boy had epilepsy. 
But by the time Jesus was coming down from the mountain, he was not foaming at his mouth. Maybe he had gotten over, he was sitting down. Then Jesus said, okay, bring him, let me pray for him. As he was coming to Jesus, the spirit took him again. Trying to intimidate the master. But the master wasn't going to be intimidated. Hallelujah. Many times when I pray about something, it gets more terrible. Just see the end picture that we are already victorious. Hallelujah. He is allowed in between. The enemy is allowed to play some pranks. He will. You pray about something, you, you hear more terrible news about it. That's why you begin to rejoice. Hallelujah. That means your prayer has stirred up all the demons in hell. Can I hear amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. And they brought him to him. And when he saw him, he said, the and he fell on the ground and wallowed for me. Verse 21. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came on him? And he said of a child. Ah, some fundamental things. You know, one day, at one meeting that I just said, people should just wait behind to have a meeting. And a guy just woke up to me and he said, Do you know every night I masturbate? He said, Sir, I can't sleep without it. He said, It has become, if there is a stronger word beyond addiction, that I can't do without it. Now, it was not healing service, it was not miracle service, it was not worship service, it was workers' meeting. And it was right here that I just held him and prayed. And he fell down. And he got up. And he told me, he waited, to, he waited for one week. He said for the first time in his life, as long as I can remember, maybe from when he was young, the first one week of no masturbation. And then it has been about three months now. Not even once. It is not, you understand what I'm saying? One of the reasons why I'm also sharing this message is that I want all of you to put your life on the mercy of God. And not only expect that your effort is what will produce results. You will do what you have to do. We'll be emphasizing this church and we will get to the other side of it in the sense that a Christian can't afford not to be diligent. Because ah, the day grace shows up, it must meet you already doing something. Are you with me? Everybody loves because one of the things working right now is that there is grace for abundance upon the house. Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. But if you read about now, jo- jo- Jacob was given a revelation by which he multiplied animals to his advantage in Genesis 31. But if you read it very well, when, in th- when Laban came to him later in that chapter, he was explaining how diligent he was. That any animal that died, he bore the loss himself. If you are serving diligently in your office or wherever you are, a Christian can be cheated. I want you to understand this. Are, are you getting me? A Christian can be cheated. And if it appears as if they are taking you for a ride, please do what you ought to do. Focus on your assignment and deliver your best. The payday will come. Is that right? Praise the Lord. Anyway, so... <laughs> Maybe we will look a bit into uh, uh, that second service. But uh, for this one, we are just considering something about this. So go back to... Okay, thank you, but I will look at that second service. Don't let me deviate into that now. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. <laughs> thank you. For, put your life on the mercy of God. Beyond your efforts. That will mean... Don't expect results according to your ability. 
Expect results according to God's ability. Say amen to that. It is the only way that we can experience a quantum leap. Otherwise, we keep moving and the pace might be too small. Have you ever wondered how come the animals, all the animals, has answered Noah and started coming to the ark? Anybody who looks up to God by this principle, you can never run short of customers coming to your shop. Are you with me? Somebody built something. And all animals were coming in. What law did Noah use to call forth these animals? Lions were going and then they turned and said, let's go inside. The lion told the lioness, let's go inside. And then the tortoise, <laughs> the snail, and all animals, stubborn and non-stubborn, all of them started going towards the ark of Noah. The grace that you carry is stronger than Noah's ark. Because Jesus lives in you. When it is acknowledged and you give praise to God, you can reproduce the same results. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, how long is it ago since it came upon him? Some issues that have been with people from, for many years, they will come down this morning. Yeah. Those who have been on the spot for a long time are ready to fly right now. And they will fly. Are you with me? So Jesus asked that question and he said of a child. Now verse 22. This is, he said, often times he cast him into fire and into waters to destroy him. Now this is where the father missed it. But it's against the law of faith. But this is what I want to show. Look at what the father said. He said, but if, everybody say if. That's unbelief. If you can do anything. But when he added this last part, he must have touched the master. Because everybody knows he said your faith made you whole. But this guy somehow uh, something is happening to everybody. I'm about to show you the level where many people are. He said have compassion on us and help us. This is a cry that God doesn't turn down. Now look at the next verse. Jesus said unto him if thou can believe. He told Jesus that if he can do something. Jesus said it has never been about what God can do. God can do everything. It's about what you can believe Him for. If you can believe. So the father said, Lord, this boy is a lunatic. If you can do anything for this boy. Jesus said, no. If you can believe. And he said, all things are possible to him that believeth." He reveals the man's problem. He revealed it straight away. You don't really believe. What you need, Mr. Man, is faith. You ask him if I can do something. I can do everything. But if you believe, all things are possible. So, Jesus transferred responsibility back to the man. That it is your faith that pulls the power of God. Then the man saw it that, oh, my faith is missing. Then he did something. Next verse. Thank you. Verse 24. And straight away the father of the child cried out. And said with tears. When you are before God, you have to be honest. Are you following me? Look at what he said. Lord, I believe. Help thou. <laughs> How many people have been in that situation before? A part of you believes something. That that money will come. But somewhere inside you there is a fear. What of if it doesn't happen? You are not alone. Sometimes you think that those who have produced great results as Christians are stronger than yourself. Everybody at one or another struggles with one doubt or the other. 
It's just that people of faith tend to just move on. But you see, when this unbelief is biting you inside, this is what you should do. Cry to the Lord. The fa- when Jesus said that, if you believe, the father looked at the boy. So the reason why this boy has been like this is because I don't really have faith. I still don't have the faith. Then he said, Lord, I believe. He said, but you know what? Help my unbelief. What does that mean? Bypass my unbelief. Right now, I'm depending on your mercy and your grace. Lord, I believe you can do all things. Like everybody here believes that there's nothing God cannot do. But when I want you to do something for me, there is a kind of unbelief that comes up. I have prayed about that apartment. And I believe the money to pay will come. But anytime I see the landlord, <laughs> I have prayed about that job. And I said I won't talk to anybody about it, knowing that you've answered me. But when I look at my colleagues going to work, there's a kind of unbelief that time is going. What is going on? I have prayed about who to marry. I believe tonight you can give me a husband. But I still take some steps showing that I don't believe. Because I go to sit where a man can see me. <laughs> are, you, are you following what I'm saying? So he found himself in this situation. Somehow inside me, Lord, I have never doubted if he can do anything. But when it comes to you doing it for me, there is a kind of doubt that arises. He said, Lord, can you help that unbelief? Do something about it. And see what Jesus did. Hallelujah. Verse 25. Is somebody with me? <laughs> when Jesus saw that people came running together, he removed the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou deaf, dumb, and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter him no more. Somebody say amen to this. Yeah. If you look at this, of course, it's written in many versions. It's in Mark, it's in Luke, it's in... There's a place that, that gives an impression that the father of the boy told them that, Lord, my, my son is suffering from deaf and dumb spirits. But some might tend to believe that one of the reasons why disciples could not cast out the spirits was that uh, they were calling out what was happening to the boy was that when they saw him, he was forming his mouth. He had epilepsy. They were saying the epileptic spirit come out. But you see, the spirit that bound the boy was not epileptic spirit. What was binding was deaf and dumb spirit manifesting as epilepsy. In dealing with demons, the sign of the spirit is needed. See the boy, what happened when Jesus called? The Bible says he fell down and he was forming out of his mouth. Jesus did not even address epilepsy at all. He said, you deaf and dumb spirit. If you were there, you saw the boy foaming his mouth. You say, this boy has epilepsy. You command epilepsy to come out and nothing comes out. Because demons are full of tricks and lies. Hallelujah. But when Jesus saw the boy foaming out of his mouth, somehow Jesus knew that this is not epileptic spirit. This is deaf and dumb spirit. And when he commanded that to come out, the epilepsy to left. Hallelujah. Thank God for the master. Say amen. But he lives in you right now. And he will do the same thing through you. Amen. Shout a living amen. amen. Hallelujah. And we have mercy. <laughs> on whom are we have mercy on? Mercy. Let's read something and we close. Thank you Lord Jesus. Let's read. Is somebody with me this morning? Hallelujah. I want us to read Matthew chapter 10 verse 46. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will stop there. Matthew, Matthew 10. Hallelujah. 
Matthew 10, 46, 46. My hallelujah belongs to you. You deserve him. Matthew 10, 46. Hallelujah. Our Lord Jesus is going to carry many people in his hands this morning. Oh, say amen very well too. <laughs> you know what I love about the Bible? I will look at that this particular story, the second service. Some people went to meet Jesus. Like the centurion said, speak a word and my servant will be healed. That was faith. Is that right? And he got the miracle. The woman with the issue of the blood, issue of blood, touched the garment to say, if I can touch his garment. And Jesus said, your daughter, your faith has made you whole. So, the woman went to bring Jesus, she got her healing. Centurion told Jesus to speak a word and he got his healing. But thank God for those ones. But thank God for the madman of Gadara was too insane to go to Jesus. Jesus came to meet him. He was in the tomb and Jesus came to meet him there. Jesus did not even wait for him to excite because he was not even sane enough to know anything called faith. But when the master cast out his face, say the last thing Jesus said, as Jesus was about to go, the man wanted to go, but Jesus said, no, go and tell your neighbors what the Lord has done for you, how he has had mercy and compassion on you. That is mercy. Hallelujah. So thank God for the one that demonstrated faith and said, speak a word. Thank God for the one that touched. But what about the one that could not do any of the two? But the master still did it. What about the man that was at the pool of Bethlehem for 38 years? In the wisdom of God for this ministry, it's a, that is the anointing that is present this morning. It is the mercy of God. Jesus was the one that went to meet that man also. He did not say, Lord, heal me. He saw that the man had been there for 38 years. Somebody told Jesus, or the Holy Spirit told that the guy was there for 38 years. He walked up to say, do you want to be made whole? And the man started his story. He said, sir, I have no man. When the angel, when the angel comes and stares the water, there is nobody to push me in. And when I try to get in, others get there before me. There are people who have attempted to do things here. And others got there before you. This is your money. Amen. Others married before. Others actually others. <laughs> the mercy is settling on everybody this morning. Amen. Shout a living amen. amen. You know the funny thing? As the guy was trying to explain to Jesus... Reason for his predicament. He still didn't ask for any request. Do you want to be made whole? He didn't even say yes. His attention was on how do I get inside this water and get well. Before he knew, Jesus said, Rise up, take your bed, and walk. And the guy got up. In this guy's case, his prayer was not needed. His faith was not needed. Jesus just did what he wanted to do. That is what he's doing this morning. It's an amazing grace. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a sweet sound. We will still use our faith for many things. But this morning, the Lord is saying that I'm having mercy. Amen. That's why I have to prove it for, to, to you from the Bible. Mercy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We give you praise. Maybe second, second time we go to this. I told them in the morning, one of the greatest guys, one of the closest guys to Apostle Paul, Ephraditus, was sick. And if you look at what happened, that should be, is it Ephesians chapter 3 or, or Philippians chapter 3? And Paul said that he was sick unto death. He said, but God had mercy on him. 
He said, not on him only, also on me, lest I have sorrow. Paul had given up that he was going to lose his staff. Paul prayed for many people and they got to a boy. If we check that place, we saw that actually Paul must have prayed for a paraditus and this one didn't get well. So Paul decided to look at the last resource. It's called the mercy of God. So when he heard that the guy was healed, that he said God had mercy on him and on me. I'm already in prison. To hear that the faithful staff is dead also is understandable. But God had mercy. That means after praying, they gave up their paraditus was going to die. All of a sudden, the guy lived. And he said that this can only be the mercy of God. Hallelujah. You know, there is no preacher on the face of the heart that has 100% record in terms of healing. There is nobody. There is nobody on earth that will say that everybody has prayed for God's healed. Because the sovereignty of God is involved. A man is not God. One man gave 40 prophecies and 36 came to pass. I go and say, what about these four? And he said that you will have to be God Almighty yourself for all your prophecies to come to pass. He said, because in the midst of the prophecy, so people will pray and change some prophecy. Yes, if God says to a wicked man, he will die and he changes, God will have mercy on him. Yes, if you were there, that's what people don't understand about prophecy. I was explaining to people then, when they said, Masraka, they said that uh, OBJ or no OBJ will die, if OBJ became president, I said that well, I don't know what God said to him, but if you are trying to indict the man, this is my explanation. If you were there, when Elijah walked into the palace and said to, uh, what's the name of that king? Ahab. I said to, no, it was Isaiah that said to Ezekiah. When Elijah said to Ahab, when he killed Naboth, he said, Where dog? Where, he said, Where you shed the blood of Naboth? That is where your blood shall dog will hit you there. And when he left, the Bible says, Ahab went on his bed and he became, he was feeling bad. And God said to Elijah, You know what? That evil will not happen in his time, it will happen to his son. But his servant's head, when he said, if they now saw the man when he died, and dogs they hit him, say, ah, all these pastors. Ezekiel was told. That was why Jonah didn't want to answer God. Many of you know, Jonah was told a disobedient fellow. Jonah knew something, which he said later. He said, I know you that you are merciful. Ah, we can't get there this first service. When you worship God, <laughs> there is something about beholding the mercy of God. And leaning on that mercy, your life will be very fast. My life is built on the mercy of God. I've made me see when you build your life, it covers your mistakes. It doesn't tell you to go out and keep making mistakes, but you see, somehow that was what David depended on. So when he sinned eventually, and God said, I choose one of these three things for you to be raided by the enemies, famine in the land, or he said that the sword of, of the Almighty God. David looked at the third one was the most terrible option, but because he had to do with God, David told the prophet that let me fall into the hands of God. If anybody will beat me, let it be God. He said, For I know that it's merciful. And God did as if he was angry, he started killing people. When he got to Jerusalem, he told the angel that, Ah, shield your sword. And that was what David said. Jonah being a prophet, he was versatile in history, he knew all these things. He was there when Isaiah said, Isaiah just came out and told Ezekiah, put your house in order, for you shall die. And Ezekiah turned to God and said, remember me. I've told you before, I've seen you with God. Those of you that walk, setting up chairs that do things, continue. It matters or not in heaven. Those who give, continue. Those who pray for other people, continue. Ezekiah just started saying that, Lord, remember me. I remove idolatry from this land. I did this, I did that. He, talk, he didn't even talk to Isaiah. I gave the prophecy and left. He just knew that. See, the who to talk to was not the prophet. He God Almighty himself. When he finished telling God all that he did, 
God told him, Isaiah was just coming out of the gate, going to his and God said, Turn back. Go and tell him. I have added 20 more years to his life. 20? Wow. Now, if a servant was there, standing behind the king, when Isaiah said, In 20 years, that put us another, you shall surely die. And the king said, Go and get me water. And Isaiah came back. And he said that God has added 20 years. No, that servant would be expecting the king to tell if he was angry with the king. He waited and so when will he die? The pastor said he would die. So I'm waiting for when he would die. But because God will always have mercy. So Jonah was right. And if you, God embarrassed him at Nineveh, that was why he didn't want to go. God never told him that they will perish if they don't repent. There was no conditional statement. Go to Nineveh, I will wipe up Nineveh in three days' time. And Jonah went to sit down on the mountain after his prophecy. He was calculating in 72 hours. This is 7.15. <laughs> By 7.15 on Wednesday, fire was falling on them. You know, he gave the prophecy. He didn't even leave the country. He, went to see, he wanted to see the scene. What a man. He sat on the mountain. He, he, he moved away from the city so the destruction would touch him. <laughs> so he went to the mountain that was close to the city and he, sat up, but he was waiting for when the fire would start falling. And if you read very well, Nineveh had actually killed their children and they had dealt with them. That was why he wanted judgment on them. So he sat down. All of a sudden, the king of Nineveh turned to God. Unexpectedly. And he said, everybody fasts. And he said, let even animals fast. And he said, three days. And you know the funny thing about the guy? He wasn't even sure of the mercy of God. If we check, he said, perhaps God will change his mind. When God saw it in heaven, ah! He was moved. I have found out our God is merciful. He would rather have mercy done than judgment. When God wants to take a step towards judgment and somebody shows an act of Lord, I'm sorry. He says, okay. Let the judgment stay. Because he is merciful and is compassionate. The Bible says he is slow to anger. Abounding in steadfast love. Hallelujah. And when the fire did for Jonah just said that he was Bible says he was angry to the point of asking to die. God said, Do you think you are right by getting angry? He said, even to the point of death. He was talking to God. <laughs> God like kilo letoni. And he told God, he said, Was it not what I said when you called me the first time? So that was why I ran away. He said, I know you that you are merciful and you will repent of evil. That when you say you want to do evil towards somebody, you will always repent of it. He says, I already your CV very well. So when he told me to go and pronounce judgment, I didn't want to go because I, I knew inside me that you will end up forgiving them. Can you imagine that a man was angry that God decided to forgive an entire nation? And God told that, do you know how many babies were in the Who didn't know they are left from their rights? You are angry that I spared babies. I spared old people. You are angry. <laughs> Thank you, God. They said, okay, let that fire fall on your head. <laughs> See, that's what you wish for other people. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Uh, let's read this last scripture before I close. We just want to just pray by it. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Blessed are the merciful. That is Matthew chapter 5. But open to Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews 4. I'm just quoting Matthew 5. Blessed are the merciful for they shall do what? You have something to do with it. Yeah. Meditation it comes as God's sovereignty. As in it comes just as God wills. But since the Bible says blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Always show people mercy who don't deserve it. It's a seed you are sowing. 
If it is true that blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. One of the ways of saturating your life with the mercy of God is to, if you are the type that you are a perfectionist, until they do it where you don't are, you might, God deals with how you deal with those who depend on you. I hope you know. Forgive our trespasses how? As we forgive those who trespass against us. And I've told you before, I, I, I've said it too many times in this church. Those of you that have housemates, and you slap them and you, what you will not do to your children, you will do to them. You are missing an opportunity to trade a life. She won't be your husband forever. Hallelujah. Teachers are supposed to be rich people on us. Some of the people who are ruling the nations now pass through some teachers. If those teachers knew that some of them would become governors and president, they would change their attitude towards them. But you see, student teachers are fond of focusing on numbers, the best students in the class. The best in the class does not become the richest. It has never happened. Able to notice, the richest men, not in Nigeria, all over the world. The rest is not to the street. The Bible is forever correct. First class students don't become the richest. It's always these average students who will come out and have the biggest business. That was what Bill Gates' assistant said that they nearly stoned him in Harvard. They were having a, a presentation and they invited him. You know, the truth is bitter. If you say the truth always, you won't have many friends. And when they asked him to talk, he just said, I congratulate the first class students. He said, many of you become lecturers. He said, I congratulate more. Those with two, two. So some, I don't know how they do their own grade, but he said, I congratulate more those who have this grade. He said, because you won't get a job on time. Life will pay you, then the inner power will come out. He said, you will start a business. You will be so rich that you will build a school and employ the first class ones to come and be lecturers there. And all the professors got angry. But he just told them the truth. Do you know that all over the world, I don't think there's any university right now that is owned by a professor. Is it not funny? Is it not an iron that there's no university, no private university that is owned by a professor? Who are the owners of all private universities? Preachers, politicians, uh, entrepreneurs, people, all, all, all kinds of people except professors. You would expect that professors should own all universities, but it's not so. The race is not to the streets. So when these teachers start treating the one that is calling 9500 very well, and look at the one that is calling 50, and they call them names, they don't know. If you are a teacher here, be nice to those students. Teach them in truth. Be a teacher. The, one that, the ones who appear not to get it right, sit down with them and do extra class with them. They will remember you. They will. And the pain they will come. If your student becomes the richest guy, or even an, is, they can call for you and pay. You are now 72. He is 50 now. And his governor or whatever, he's a businessman, he can pay you in one day for all your toilets for those 72 years. I hope you know. Some have done it for their teachers before. They can. I think it was Vasvaka that said, the teacher, that the, the principal that sent him back home because he went to Lisha Abigail School, Secondary school JS1, and the day of the common entrance, he did not wear slippers. He did wear, and the man said he should go back home. So he lost one year because he did not have slippers. When the man was 70, I think he said he bought 70 shoes and sent it to the man. And he didn't tell the man that I was the one. The man received with joy, but he didn't, take, or he didn't want it to feel bad. That you made me lose one year because I did not have a shoe. Now take 70 shoes. That's what the Bible says that overcome evil with good. I don't like the way poor people pray, they, they prove point. They start arguing. You are stupid. You are poor. When those who are really rich 
Somebody called the man a stupid man and he gave the person five million. The guy knelt down. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that is how to get angry the right way. <laughs> All these poor man are exchanging words. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you for your mercy, Lord. Rise up. Let's read as we stand. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Shout that word. And find grace to what? Where there is mercy, there is always help. Oh Lord Jesus, lift up your hands and just worship Him. Say, I received the mercy of God this morning. Say it as many times as possible. The mercy of God is over my fears, over my life. Lord, I dwell on your mercy. I dwell on your mercy. Jacob in his prayer said that I am not worthy of anything you have done. He said, but your mercy. Mercy. It is what we utterly depend on this morning. It is what we rely on this morning. Speak this to your weak. Now, if there is an area of faith where you are struggling, this is the best time to apply it. Mention that thing and say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Let your mercy step into this situation. I know I've, I've tried and this thing keeps wearing me down, but I just, I depend on your mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, blessed be your name. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. You are good. And your mercy is forever. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the teaching of Pastor Shola Oshumakinde. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Twin Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m. While our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.